Uh, what a great song, and I'm thankful that Jesus paid it all, and that I have nothing left to do except for place my faith in Him. And I'm grateful that uh, He was willing to go through all that He went through in order to uh, pay it all, and I'm grateful for that. Well, if you would take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter number 11, Hebrews chapter 11. Um, we are going to continue on with our doctrine series um, probably next Wednesday night, but um, this week um, I was reading in my Bible and I really came to something and, and couldn't really get it out of my head and, and thought, I, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and share it with everybody. So this is something that the Lord was working in my heart on, and uh, you get to hear what the Lord has been working in my life on, and hopefully it's a blessing to you. Um, and if not, well, listen nicely anyway, okay? And, uh, but uh, it's the Word of God, and so, hey, uh, there's, there's profit in it, right? The Bible says there's, uh, all, all Scripture is profitable. But uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse number 7, just simply this, uh, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And uh, the word faith is mentioned in here twice, and uh, we're going to talk tonight about Noah's faith. And uh, let's pray together. Lord, uh, thank you for uh, the time we've already had tonight. Lord, we do thank you for our missionaries, and Lord, uh, thank you for their willingness to serve you in uh, foreign lands, and uh, Lord, to deal with some uh, difficult times and struggles and difficulties and differences that there are uh, than there are here in America. And I thank you for each one, and I pray, Lord, your mighty blessing upon them. And then, Lord, I pray that you would bless our time together in your word tonight. I pray that you would encourage us uh, to have a greater faith in you as a result of our time together. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, we're going to talk tonight about Noah and the ark, and I would dare say that all of us are very familiar with Noah and the ark and the flood, the animals coming in by how many? By sevens and by two. The, uh, according to Genesis chapter number seven, uh, if you want to turn over there, in fact, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 6 and 7, and kind of in Hebrews 11 here. But if you go to Genesis 7 in verse number 2, it says, Of every clean beast thou shalt take unto thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. And then of the fowls also of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of the earth. And so I know we're all used to the uh, two by two, uh, but uh, uh, here the command here is in verse, verse number two, thou shalt take to thee by sevens. And uh, so anyway, we're familiar with this, and uh, we're, we're familiar with what happens at the end, how God uh, puts a rainbow in the sky to... Uh, give this promise that he would no longer flood the earth. 
again, and, uh, and we're familiar with all these. But as I was reading through his life this past week, because I'm kind of going through, you know, starting over in Genesis, and, and I, I, I was reading this again, and I was, I was just really impressed um, about the, the tremendous faith that Noah had in the Lord. And, uh, and I was challenged to live by faith in a greater way in my own life. And so tonight, I want to take, take a few minutes and look at Noah's faith so that we would too be encouraged to live by faith in our day and age. Now, we know that we are saved by grace through faith. Um, so we understand the importance of faith for our salvation. But that's not the end of our faith. Really, that should really be the beginning because we should continue to grow in faith, in our trust in God and our dependence upon Him uh, for our everyday life, not just for our salvation. By the way, if we can trust God with our greatest need, which was for forgiveness of sin and to be saved, then we certainly can trust Him for the other needs, which are not near as great as that other need for salvation. Um, so... Um, and it was the disciples who said this, Lord, increase our faith. So as time goes on in our Christian life, the, the more we should depend on the Lord and our faith should be greater and stronger than it was uh, the day we got saved. Um, we understand the importance of uh, having faith even in the Christian life. I mean, it was Jesus who said to the disciples in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God. Like, stop, stop doubting, stop worrying, just trust the Lord. Um, we have Hebrews chapter 11, which is where we started here, Hebrews eleven seven. Really, the entire chapter of Hebrews is, or, or of Hebrews chapter 11, is dedicated to those Old Testament saints who, made, who lived by faith and made decisions by faith in God and in incredible things, and they were just average, ordinary people like you and I, and yet they made some pretty remarkable decisions based on who God is. And uh, this was written so that it would encourage the Hebrew Christians in that day to also go forward by faith, and of course, us as well. And so, uh, let's look at Noah's faith tonight and be encouraged, and, and uh, hopefully, uh, as we just are reminded of Noah and his faith, um, hopefully we'll uh, implement these truths into our life, and, and uh, we'll have a greater faith in the Lord as a result. All right? So, let's notice, first of all, about Noah's faith. Number one, let's look at the fact that Noah's faith required obedience. Uh, if you go back to... Um, well, your, your Bible's open in Hebrews eleven seven. It says, By faith, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, he prepared an ark to the saving of his house. So uh, God warned, uh, warned Noah about what was going to come and gave him some instruction regarding uh, what he wanted him to do, build, build an ark. And that passage is in Genesis chapter number 6. So if you would turn over there. Genesis chapter 6, uh, verse number 13. Uh, he gave uh, Noah specific instructions. Verse 13, God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. And then here's the specific instructions that God gave Noah. Make thee an ark 
of gopher wood, rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above. And the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee will I establish my covenant, and thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy sons' wives with thee, and of every living thing of all flesh, two of every sort, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee, they shall be male and female." Of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind, two of every sort shalt thou come to thee to keep them alive. And thou shalt take unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. And then notice here in verse number 22, so that was the specific instruction that God gave Noah to do. And then here's verse 22, thus did Noah according to all that God commanded him, so did he. All right. So Noah heard God's word and he didn't go, well, that sure is nice. I'm going to go on my merry way. No, he, uh, he obeyed the word of God. And Let's, let's pick it up in chapter 7. All right, verse 1, The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Of every clean beast shalt, thou shalt take to thee by sevens, the male and his female, and of beasts that are not clean by two, the male and his female. Of fowls of the air by sevens, the male and the female, to keep seed alive upon the face of the earth, of all the earth. For yet seven days I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days, forty nights. Every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And then notice here verse 5 again. Noah did according to, unto all the Lord commanded him. So uh, Noah did exactly what God told him to do. And look, you can tell me you have faith in God all day long, but if you're not willing to be obedient to the Word of God, then I don't believe you. Uh, because you see, faith always requires obedience. Uh, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Right? Trust in going on your merry way and not doing anything about the Word of God does not lead to happiness in Jesus Christ. See, there needs to be not only trust, but also obedience. And Noah had both. He trusted what God said was going to come to pass. And so he did all that God instructed him to do. And you and I, if we're going to have real faith, we need to do the same. We need to trust all that God has said and do all that God has instructed us to do. Um, and if we're, if we're not willing to do the second part, then we really don't have faith. It's not real faith. Um, James chapter number 2, um, I'm going to go ahead and turn over there. There are several verses in this, in this chapter that talk about, and by the way, the book of James was written to believers, okay? Um, there's sometimes confusion regarding James chapter 2 and these thoughts here, um, because a lot of people take these to mean that this is how salvation is earned. You have to earn it through works. No, this is for the believer who's already been saved, who is now trying to live by faith, 
All right, but uh, James chapter 2 and verse number 17, he says, Even so, uh, faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. And he goes on to say in verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. But he says, Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. And Noah you know, Noah proved that he had faith be- through his action. His obedience proved the fact that he did trust and believe. God said that he was going to do what he was going to do. And, that, and, and so his action on obeying the Lord's word um, proved the fact that he did believe. Um, and, and you and I can say all day long, I have faith. But uh, if it doesn't have action to back it up, then... Uh, your, your faith is not real. That's what James is saying here. Verse 19, Thou believest that there is one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. He's like, you believe there's one God? Congratulations. Good job. But guess what? So do the devils. They also believe and they tremble. It's not enough to just believe. He said in verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and works by works was faith made perfect? And then uh, verse number 26 at the end of this chapter, uh, he ends it with this, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So Noah had real faith. It was... The, the real McCoy. It was the genuine, real faith because obedience was there. And uh, you and I who, you know, maybe are, you know, kind of like we're, we identify by our faith and we would say, oh, I have faith in God. Well, does our life prove the fact that we have faith in God? Noah's did. How about us? Um, faith always leads to trust and obedience. Uh, I read about uh, a man by the name of George Ferris. And in 1893, engineer George Ferris built a machine that bears his name, the Ferris wheel. How many have ever been on a Ferris wheel? I think all of us have been on a Ferris wheel, most of us. Um, I've been on some uh, really tall ones. And uh, they're a little sketchy when you get up there at the very top. Now, well, he built this first Ferris wheel. And when it was finished, he invited a newspaper reporter to accompany him and his wife for the maiden voyage of the very first Ferris wheel. And it was a windy July day, so a stiff breeze struck the wheel with great force as it slowly began its rotation. Despite the wind, the wheel turned flawlessly. After one full revolution, Ferris called for the machine to be stopped so that he, his wife, and the reporter could step out. And in braving that one one revolution on the wind-blown Ferris wheel, each of those occupants demonstrated genuine faith. Mr. Ferris began with the scientific knowledge that the machine would work and that it would be safe. Mrs. Ferris and the reporter believed the machine would work on the basis of what the inventor had said. But only after the ride, only after the ride could it be said of all three that they had personal, real faith. Uh, Ms. Kendra, you got in a plane today. Well, like yesterday. 
and several planes to get here. And uh, so they, but you had to put your faith in the pilot, in the uh, manufacturer, the builders, and all of that to get you home, get you back to the States. And you had to put your faith in that. Um, here, here's the deal. When it comes to the Lord, you, you can say you believe, but until you really obey and put him to the test, then your faith is really not alive. Um, so um, Noah, though, there was <laughs> no doubt about it. It was the real deal because he understood. And, and, and I'm telling you, we can look at Noah and go, well, yeah, I mean, God told him directly. But friend, you and I, we have the written word of God. He didn't. So it's just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for his faith. And uh, he, it really is a great example to me. All right, so first, uh, Noah's faith required obedience. Secondly, Noah's faith didn't look for excuses. Now, really, if there was ever someone who could have come up with excuses to not live by faith, it was probably Noah. I think of uh, the story of a man who fell off of a cliff, and uh, while he was falling, he managed to grab a tree limb on the way down, and the, the following conversation uh, happened. And he's holding on to this uh, tree limb, and he yells up to the, to the top of the cliff, Is anyone up there? And he hears a voice, I am here. I am the Lord. Do you believe me? Yes, Lord, I, I believe, I, I really believe, but I can't hang on much longer. He says, that's all right. If you really believe you have nothing to worry about, I will save you. Just let go of the branch. Well, a moment of pause, and then the man holding on to the tree limb says, is anyone else up there? Uh, I'm not really wanting to uh, follow that particular deal. Uh, he... he this guy didn't like the way that uh, what, what the Lord was say, telling him to do. Now, Noah, I imagine Noah didn't enjoy hearing the fact that he was going to destroy all living creatures upon this earth. That wasn't pleasant news. Um, I don't think he enjoyed hearing that. And he had a lot of excuses that he could have used. I mean, if you think about it, here's, here's some of them. You say you're going to bring down rain 40 days and 40 nights? Number one, Lord, we don't even know what rain is. We, we have, we've, we've never experienced rain. And uh, it had not rained upon the earth up until that time. And so it was like, what is rain? We don't really even know. We ain't never seen rain, Lord. If he was from Oklahoma, he probably would have said something like that. Um, you know, we, we, what do you mean it's going to rain? We don't know what that is. I, I, I don't, it, I don't, it does not compute. So therefore, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I mean, he could have come up with that excuse. What about this one? Uh, how, how, you want me to do what? And how long is it going to take me to do it? You want me to build this giant boat? And it's going to take how long? Probably close to 120 years-ish. It may not have taken that whole amount of time. But no doubt it took quite a bit of time. And it was not an easy adventure. I mean, it was not this, you know, put together a little, you know, box. 
I mean, this was a huge deal. It was 450 feet long. A football field is 100 yards, 300 feet. I mean, this is a huge, uh, a huge deal. Um, and so it's like, man, this is a little much. I mean, um, and, and you think as he's building this thing, you, you got to be thinking, am I, am, did I really hear him right that, that time 100 years ago? I mean, really, is he really going to pour down rain? Are you sure about this? Maybe I should just stop. I mean, this is kind of pointless. No doubt he, I would have been thinking that. I, I don't know that Noah, Noah may not have been thinking any of those things, but, but I sure would have probably been thinking that. Think about this. It was a pretty wicked day in which he lived. Um, if you go back to uh, Genesis chapter number 6, Genesis chapter 6 and verse number uh, number 5, God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. In verse number 6, it was so bad that it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him in his heart. And then verse 13 again, the end of all flesh has come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them. He, it was a wicked day. And, uh, you know, God's telling Noah, hey, I want you to build this ark and I want you to uh, preach, uh, be a preacher of righteousness, which he was. One, one passage in the New Testament tells us that he was a preacher of righteousness. And... You know, it was a pretty violent society, very violent culture in that day. It wasn't like, you know, people were super nice. And, I mean, blood flowed pretty, pretty freely in, those, in that day. So I would say it would be a little scary to go against culture and do something against culture. And that's what Noah did. And building this ark was this huge testimony to the fact that Culture's wrong, and I'm on God's side, and y'all are going to perish one day. And I, 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 would, I would guess that would not make the neighbors real happy. They probably didn't love the insinuation that he was better than them. And probably it would have been a little, a little sketchy, you know, um, there's some parts in Oklahoma City that you probably don't want to hang out at after dark, right? Um, in that day and age, there was probably lots of areas you didn't want to hang out with, hang out at after dark. And yet Noah was willing to stand up and put those fears aside to do what God called him to do. He could have looked for excuses. It's interesting, um, the, the verse, the wording here in uh, Hebrews, again, I'm kind of going back and forth here. Hebrews 11, verse 7, by, by faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear. So there was a little fear in Noah's heart. But you know, it had nothing to do with his fear for culture and fear of getting hurt by his neighbors. 
He, his fear was towards the Lord. Now, not in a, in a afraid that God was going to hurt him or whatever, um, but there was a reverence for God and a fear for God rather than a fear for his own personal well-being through culture. And he could have used that as an excuse. Um, I'm sure uh, his popularity went down uh, when he started doing this. People thought he was a little crazy. Uh, you know, a few fries short of a Happy Meal uh, for doing this. Uh, that he wasn't the sharpest knife in the drawer. And uh, you, how do you know all these, Pastor? Because people have told, that, told me that that's me. <laughs> a few fries short of a Happy Meal, uh, not, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. Um, that's been true of me at times. But I'm sure that people thought that about Noah, that he's a little, you know, like, got to watch out for wacko Noah. I mean, he's this religious guy who, you know, thinks that God's going to destroy this earth. I mean, who is this God anyway? So, I mean, he was definitely not popular, and he could have used that as an example or as an excuse to not um, live by faith. But instead, he chose to put those excuses aside and place his faith in God. Now, I'm, I'm thankful here that faith honors God. And guess what? Here's the truth of the matter. God honors faith. So when we place our faith in God, God then honors that faith. There's a story from the life of missionaries Robert and Mary Moffat that illustrates this truth. And here's a couple that could have used some excuses to not place their faith in the Lord. Um, for 10 years, this couple, Robert and Mary Moffat, labored faithfully in Botswana. And uh, it was called something else before, uh, but uh, now it's called Botswana. And they served there for 10 years without one ray of encouragement to brighten their way. Ten years. Um, they could not report a single convert. So, letter after letter to their um, supporting churches, um, nothing. Finally, the directors of their mission board began to question the wisdom of continuing the work. Should we really continue supporting the Moffats there in Botswana when... There's nobody getting saved. Why would we continue to invest missions dollars into this? Well, the thought of leaving their post brought great grief to this devoted couple because they were absolutely certain that God was in their labors, that they would see people turn to Christ in due season. And so they stayed. And for a year or two longer, darkness continued to reign. Then one day, a friend in England sent word to the Moffats that she wanted to mail them a gift and asked what they would like. And they thought about it. And trusting that in time, the Lord would bless their work, Mrs. Moffat replied, Well, that's very nice of you. Would you please send us a communion set? I am sure it will soon be needed. Well, remember, God honors faith. And God decided to honor that dear woman's faith, and the Holy Spirit moved upon the hearts of the villagers, and soon a little group of six converts was united to form the first Christian church in that land. The communion set from England was delayed in the mail, but on the very day before the first commemoration of the Lord's Supper in Botswana, the set arrived. 
You see, God does promise to bless faith, and God does honor those who honor Him with faith. Now, my question for all of us tonight is, what excuses have we been coming up with to not take our next step by faith? I mean, Noah had some that he could have used, but you know what? He said no, and friend, we don't really have any excuses because we have the completed Word of God, don't we? And we also have the testimony of so many before us who found God is faithful and trustworthy. Friend, if Noah could go forward by faith in his circumstances, you and I can totally go forward in ours. We really have no excuse. Noah's faith didn't look for excuses, and I'm grateful for that. Notice thirdly, though, Noah's faith affected his family. Hebrews 11.7 says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house. And then Genesis 7.1. This is the verse that I was reading uh, the other day and kind of hit me and I really pondered it. And that's what kind of led to this message here. So again, this message is more for me than for anybody else, but you get to listen. Uh, but Genesis chapter 7, verse number 1, The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, for, or because, I have seen righteous, I've, uh, for thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. So here God says to Noah, I want you to come in the ark, but I want you to bring your house with you as well. Um, now, here's the deal. Noah chose to place his faith in God, and it benefited him for sure, but it didn't just benefit him. It also benefited his wife and his children and their families. Uh, 1 Peter 3 and verse 20 puts it this way, which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering God waited in the days of Noah while the uh, ark was a preparing wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. Eight souls um, were saved uh, because Noah placed his faith in the Lord. So as parents, our decisions don't just affect us. They dramatically affect our children and future generations. Had Noah said, okay, well, that's nice, Lord, that you're going to destroy the earth and you want me to build an ark, but you know what? That's a little out there. Like, that's a little extreme, okay? I mean, I'm going to be the only one doing it, and that's a little, that's a little much. Had he done that, it would have affected his family. And so especially those of us who are dads, Again, me. Um, I, that, I better make sure that I'm walking with the Lord and I'm living by faith because my decisions affect my children, which in turn affects the future generations after them. So it's not just a, well, I don't know if I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for an excuse to not follow God. No, no, we don't need to do that. Um, I need to look for ways that I can follow God so that it's a testimony to my children. You compare Noah and what happened with him and, and the fact that he was able to get his children and his wife on the boat. 
You compare him with Lot a few chapters later. As uh, Lot pitches his tent towards Sodom, ends up in Sodom, ends up at the gate of Sodom. And then God comes and says, hey, you need to leave. And, and uh, he begins to tell his family, we all need to leave. And his sons-in-law thought he was just making fun and mocking. Uh, that, and they were like, yeah, we're right. We're, we're not leaving Sodom. Like nothing's going to happen. Are you kidding me? The thing is, for so long, Lot had chosen to, instead of living by faith, he lived by sight. Always wanting what's best for him, always wanting to figure things out and have the best scenario for himself, um, and living by faith. I'm sorry, living by sight instead of by faith. And I think of another man um, in, the book of, in the book of Ruth, uh, let me go ahead and turn over there. Judges, you go to Judges, and then Ruth is the next, the next book there. Just a real quick, um, um, aspect of, of of this book here. In verse number one, it says, "Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land, and there was a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons." And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, the name of his two sons, Mahalon and Chilion, um, these guys, and they came into the country of Moab, and they continued there. Okay, then verse number three, and Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. She was left and her two sons. And then verse five, Mahalon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. All right, we all, most of us know the story of Ruth. And obviously God's sovereignty was in, in play here and God allowed this so that Ruth and Boaz could get married and be the, um, you know, and then the line of, of Christ would come through that line there. But if, if I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, okay, Elimelech, you're in Bethlehem, you're in the right place, and things are not going well there. There's a famine in the land. And he says to his family, hey, we're going to bail. We're going to go do a, a godless culture um, because there's more money there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take you, and we're going to go into Moab, and there's where we're going to kind of hang out for a while until the famine uh, eases up. Well, they did that. And Elimelech ended up passing away, and so did Mahlon and, and Chilion. I think Elimelech, in, in my opinion, was living by sight, not by faith here. Instead of trusting the Lord to see them through the famine and to not just go to a godless culture where it's going to affect his children. Um, and, and by the way, I think that there was definitely, when we have Orpah here, uh, not Oprah, by the way, Orpah. Um, Orpah, she did not want to leave Moab. She loved her country. She loved her idols. She wanted to be there. So she went back. But, uh, of course, I'm thankful for Ruth and her willingness to um, go back to Bethlehem and, and meet Boaz, and, and, and we have the rest of the story there. But, but Elimelech and his decision as a dad, as the head of his home, 
Instead of having faith in God, he chose to live by sight, and as a result, he lost his life, but that also affected his sons as well. And his wife was bitter for the longest time as well, too. And so uh, we got to understand that our faith affects our family, good or bad. If we have faith, it's going to affect our family in a, in a positive way. If we don't have faith and we cho- choose instead to live by sight, it's going to affect our family in a negative way. So Noah's faith affected his family. We need to remember that our, our decisions don't just affect us. They dramatically affect our children and then future generations. So Noah's faith affected his family. Fourthly and lastly here, I love this thought here, Noah's faith was rewarded. Noah's faith was rewarded. Because Noah, was, uh, because Noah did obey the word of God and believed God, God did bless and honor Uh, Noah in a great way. In fact, he is mentioned here in this, uh, what many people consider the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 7, by faith Noah being warned of God of things not yet as uh, not seen as yet. Before that verse, here you're going to learn something tonight at church. I know it's Wednesday night, we're tired, but uh, verse 7 comes after verse 6. And verse 6 says this, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then now we go into uh, Noah's story here. So uh, Noah was rewarded because he was willing to live by faith. Genesis 7.1, I read it a, a few times, but I'll read it one more time. Because it, it, it just says it so well. The Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Which, which tells me, by the way, that it is possible, if, if it was possible for Noah to live righteous in the generation he was in, friend, it is possible for you and I to live righteous life in the generation we live in. And we do live in a pretty ungodly society. Yes, even here in this Christian nation called America, which is not, it's sadly not a Christian nation anymore. It used to be. Um, but if, if Noah could live righteous before God in the generation he lived in, you and I can be righteous before God in the generation we live in. And and because of because of that, the Lord gave him the invitation to come into the house, to come into the ark, and his house as well. I was thinking about uh, Hudson Taylor. A uh, couple um, missionary uh, illustrations here tonight. As a young man preparing to go to China, Hudson Taylor determined to live by faith alone while he was still in England. His resolve was to learn before leaving England to move man through God by prayer alone. And here's an example of that. He worked for a doctor and was paid quarterly. When the time drew near to receive his salary, Hudson Taylor was disturbed that his employer had said nothing about it. Taylor had only one half-crown piece, but he determined not to break his resolution and ask for his salary. Because again, he wanted to learn to move man through God by prayer alone, rather than going to man and asking for things himself. 
So, while visiting a needy home on the Lord's Day, Taylor felt led of the Lord to give his last coin to this needy family. So, he was without money. The next day, he received an anonymous gift through the mail, four times what he had given to the poor. And the following Saturday, the doctor finished up his work and said, Taylor, is not your salary due again? Taylor told him that it was and became disappointed when he learned the doctor had forgotten about the salary due and sent all his funds to the bank. Well, he prayed about the matter because he had bills of his own to pay and left it with the Lord. And that evening, the doctor visited him and said that one of his richest patients had come over after hours to pay his bill. And he gave the money to Taylor, who greatly rejoiced. He had learned that he could trust God and therefore go to China as a missionary. So, God does promise to reward those who do put their faith in Him. God rewarded Noah. God rewarded Hudson Taylor. See, God is pleased when you know His Word and then you trust Him. All right, so tonight, Noah's faith required obedience, and true faith always does require obedience. It's not just this mental assent that, yeah, uh, I believe God. Well, that belief means that you do something about it, that you get in the Ferris wheel, right? That you prepare an ark like Noah did, or that you obey the Word of God and the instructions of the Bible. Okay, Noah's faith required obedience. Noah's faith didn't look for excuses. He didn't try to find a way out and say, well, look, not, I'd be the only one doing it. So, And by the way, he was the only one doing it. But he didn't use that as an excuse to not do it. Noah's faith didn't look for excuses. Noah's faith uh, affected his family. Noah's faith was greatly rewarded. And so yours, if you choose to put it, your faith in him, to live by faith. Remember uh, Hebrews 11.6, without faith it is impossible to please him. But you could say it this way, with faith it is possible to please God. And don't we all want to please Him who has done so much for us? Well, the way we can please Him is by placing our faith in Him, not just for salvation, but for our everyday life and for the situations that we face in this life. Um, Just trust Him, trust His Word. So let's remember tonight that God is greatly pleased when His people live by faith in Him. So let's take Him at His Word and obey His Word. Let's pray together. Lord, We thank you for the opportunity to uh, look at Noah's life today and particularly his faith. Help us, Lord, to live by faith. And Lord, I imagine I'm speaking to somebody here tonight who's facing some difficulties and some real uh, challenging things. And maybe you've been pinpointing some things in their life in which you want them to do. Help them, Lord, not to come up with uh, all the excuses, but Lord, uh, to step out by faith and do what you've called them to do. And uh, Lord, I I pray that you would help us all, um, like the disciples prayed, Lord, increase our faith. I pray that you would increase each and every one of our faith uh, tonight.